Can you believe it's 2019? Anybody? Anybody? Excuse me, I got to get something in my mouth. Uh, anybody, um, when you were growing up, did you ever think you'd see 2019? I mean, that's just a number that just didn't even make sense to me. I remember thinking, I remember that when you'd figure out what year you were going to graduate from high school and then, you know, do that. And maybe when you had kids, you kind of added, did the math when they would graduate and you think, oh, that, that'll never happen. That year will never come. Right? Yeah, there it is. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm, <clears throat> I'm excited about 2019. Every, every time this time of year, I don't know, how many, how many do this where you sit down and kind of evaluate and think about the new year? Does anybody do that? I mean, it's kind of a, I mean, some people don't. Some people act like, oh, it's just the same as the day before, and, and I understand that. But as I was just praying and, and talking to God about this next year and, and just seeing, you know, God, what do you have for, for me? What do you have for our family? What do you have for our church? And and as we're just spend, spending time in prayer, and I appreciate the holiday season where things kind of slow down a little bit, and you maybe have some extra time to do that. And, and uh, we'll be talking about more things as they come up, but please, uh, you know, please pay attention to the calendar and, and the bulletin that you have. There's you know, plenty of things happening. I know we have um, Pastor Jeremy's going to come up at the end of the service and kind of share, just hit on some things that are happening. But <clears throat> as I've been thinking about this year, there's this verse, I used to see this all the time in, like in a picture in churches. I don't, anybody ever see this verse put up in a church? Remember that? We used to see that a lot, didn't we? And uh, so I just started meditating on this and thinking about it. This is the King James Version. Now, I, I changed the last few lines just because it, it, was, it was King James. But where it says, um, there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. And I started looking into that word vision. Do you know... When we think of that word, you know, a lot of times we think of vision, right? We think of 2020 vision or maybe glasses or contacts, that kind of thing. And what, what you need to understand is that word actually in the, in the Hebrew, the original, it literally meant prophetic vision. So if you look at different versions of the Bible and you compare those, I encourage you to do that as you're reading the scriptures. And, and the English Standard Version, it literally says this, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. In the New Living Translation, it says, "Those uh, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Isn't that interesting to see the different ways that that verse is interpreted and what it can actually mean? It kind of gives fullness to that idea. Here, let me, let's, what I want to do for us just for the next few minutes, I want you to take kind of a, kind of a mental ride with me. It's kind of scary because you're going to get in my brain and we're going to ride together. You ready for this? I, I'm just telling you, it's kind of a weird place to be because there's times where I'm talking to people and they'll say, what, what's so funny? And I'm like, oh, I let my face show what my mind was doing, you know, because it just, they said something, made me think of something, you know, writing. Okay, so if you would ride with me. So we start here with vision, prophetic vision and people perishing and going wild. What, what does that mean? So, so let's take a look at like this. Vision, you could look at it like this. Vision is a bridge between the present and the future. Now, if God's going to give us prophetic vision and direction, and he says in Scripture that without that, you're going to perish or run wild or have no restraint, that sounds pretty serious to me. And I want us to think about it, like maybe you haven't thought about what next year holds for you or what, what tomorrow holds, or maybe you're thinking, man, I don't want to think about that. Like I was talking with somebody this week, and I said, so what about this, this, and this? And they're like, I'm on vacation. I'm not thinking about anything. Okay, okay, that's cool. I don't know if you know this, ladies, but men can literally think of nothing. 
I don't know if you knew that. That's actually scientific fact. They've, they've literally hooked men and women up where women's minds, you know, the, you know that whole thing, right? How their hemispheres, the brain keeps t- talking and men, as we get older, that there's a break there and we can literally be thinking of nothing, which is just hard to imagine. But as you're doing, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to let the cat out of the bag there, guys, but um, <clears throat> yeah, so this person I was talking to, they're like, well, I'm break. I don't, I'm not going to think until next week. Like, okay, that's cool. If you can do that, I mean, that's cool. But right now, you're in my brain, and we're going to be thinking about this for a minute. Vision is the bridge between the present and the future. Where is that going? And if I'm going to the future, I want to go to the future that God has. I could come up with a lot of things, and like the word that Frank shared, I'm so glad he shared that, and I appreciate him sharing that with me. I want to go where he thinks, not where I think. I know me. I know, I know how I can get off track, and I know those things, and I don't always trust that. I, I don't want to be understrained, and I don't want to be wild, and I don't want to be perishing. I want, it, I want it to make sense. The thing about it is if you're going where God goes, that means you have a purpose in mind, and it gives the pathway and the direction meaning. I, I don't know if you realize this, but there's times where when you're in the middle of something, it helps to know that there's something on the other end, a goal that takes you there, Right? I don't know how many of you have worked jobs that maybe felt meaningless, but as you're working at the job, you're thinking, "Ah, ah, ah." what gives you meaning? For some people, it's just the paycheck, right? For some people who who see the process and where it's going, then it has more meaning. I've I've visited a lot of people, and I've been in, anybody ever had to go through therapy, recovering from an injury or something? How how many of you got in there, like, this has happened to me probably more times than it should, but. You go in there, and they give you these little rubber bands. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm like, what's this going to do? I don't say that out loud, because I know they're smart. They went to school, and there's a purpose behind it. But I feel like I'm just goofing around playing the game. But, but there's a purpose. So I was asking them, so what is this actually going to do? How is this different than maybe lifting an actual weight or, or actually walking or something like that? And they, So then they say, well, here's the purpose. And they start to tell you how, how that band has been shown to do this, this, and this, and this. And then when I understand the purpose, the path makes sense. You follow me? How many of you went to boot camp? Anybody here go in the military? Boot camp? I never went. I, you know, I look back and think I grew up in the Navy. My dad was in the Navy 26 years. That was my whole life growing up. I mean, he got out of the, he got out of the, he retired. I was already in college and out of the house. I mean, my whole home experience was military. And so being then in a military town and being a youth pastor there, I walked a lot of guys through that before and after. I've had a lot of students who've gone through it. And those of you who've been, maybe you've never been, but, but just, just imagine this process. You know, you go to high school, you're doing kind of your own thing, and you decide you're going to go to the military, which is a great thing. And so you show up to boot camp. What's the first thing that happens? Somebody, <laughs> somebody starts yelling at you. Somebody starts treating you in a way that you would have never put up with the day before, the week before. You would have never thought that some person would be in the front of your face yelling at you, telling you it's your worm, telling you saying things about your mother you would have never let happen. But because you know the purpose and the plan, you're willing to walk through that momentary pain because you know what's on the other side of that. Then they walk you through and they shave off all your glorious hair. And then at some point you do it yourself because <laughs> there's no point anymore. And <laughs> less to shave. I save a lot on shaving cream, just saying. But why would you do that? Because you know that something at the end makes sense and there's a purpose behind it all. We, 
We live in a world today, and, and I don't know if it's just the U.S., but I, that's what we know best. It seems like our plan in life is to avoid all discomfort. Have you noticed that? All discomfort. But there's actually purpose in discomfort. I mean, you, there's things in life you will never achieve unless you walk through a difficult time to get there. And, and you won't appreciate it. You know how it is. Maybe the, the kid you knew in school who was handed everything and then treated it like it didn't matter because it didn't earn it. They had nothing, no skin in the game, no. Life wasn't meant to be like that. We try to avoid discomfort at all costs, but the weird thing is Jesus said actually life would be difficult. And in this verse, I'm going to go back to it one sec. Um, oh, I'm going backwards, sorry. Forward. Uh, no vision, people perish, but he that keeps the law is happy. Keeping the law, you might think, well, how can that make me happy? Well, the reason it makes you happy is because God has given us a guide to follow the vision and the plan he has for us. And the guide is good. He actually had a purpose in the guide. It was meaningful. It was good. We don't have a lot of hills to drive on here. Anybody driven in maybe Colorado or California and you're, you're going up the mountain and, and you're afraid to look over the edge? And it almost makes you dizzy as you're driving because you realize... You can't even fathom how far down that is. And what ifs start going through your mind? If I had a blowout or if that there was ice on the road or if there wasn't a guardrail there, how safe would you feel? And let me ask you, when you're driving that way, do you try to get as close to the guard as you can? Like, I, mean, I can get right there and then I can look over the edge and... No. God's laws are like that. They're actually meant to protect and provide for you so that you can actually reach the vision, the bridge that's between the present and the future. He wants to take you somewhere. <laughs> there's, it, again, in California, and uh, there's places where the bridge is like, they don't want to go right around the mountains because the hairpin's too bad, so they'll just put a bridge across. You ever driven on one of those? You ever, do you drive slow? So that you can feel it, wonder if it's moving or rocking. Right? You just shoot across there. You feel safer because there's guardrails. God has a, he, he's so, it's interesting how he does this because all of this stuff makes sense. I mean, his idea is to, to guide us through those obstacles, not always just around them. Vision is a powerful thing. Very, very powerful. This quote right here, a man without vision is a man without a future. A man without a future will always return to his past. There's nothing wrong with the past. The past is, is something we can grow from and, from and rely on and reach back to to give us a framework for the future. But the, the goal that he has for us is in, the, in front of us, not always behind us. He wants to literally take us somewhere. And to do that, we have to be looking ahead. And I know most of us are familiar with the story of Helen Keller, born, born deaf and blind and when I think about her, sometimes I think about what would that be like to be born in darkness? And, not, you, and, and yet, she, I don't know if you've read some of her quotes. I mean, such a deep thinker. This one is so poignant because she couldn't see. But the, the most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight but no vision. So what is vision then? What is it? It's, I, I look at it like this. It's, it's a lens that you interpret the events in your life through. It's not just what you see, but it's how you see it. We all see things, but we don't all see it the same. Because, because of where we come from, our vision is, 
is different. It's tainted. It's almost like you might have a scratch on your glasses. You ever had this? And the whole world just looks funny because it's scratched right there. Or a smudge. <laughs> or <laughs> I, I'm actually color deficient. You ever heard of that? I'm not color blind. I mean, I see colors. But it's different for me. I, I'm red, green deficient. There's actually tests online you can take. But like when you go to your, op, your op, obstetrician, and, or not obstetrician, nothing. <laughs> I've never been to one. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. Uh, optometrist. And you get the little eye test and they have those little circles with all the dots. I can see like the first two or three. And then beyond that, I don't see any more letters or numbers. It, here's the thing. I see red and green. I just don't see it like you do. There's a student in my, one of my classes a couple of years ago, I mentioned that in this, in this context, about how we see the world, but we don't always see it the same as everybody else. Our, our vision, the way we see is, is, is filtered through what we experience and know and think, and it's, it can be tainted, it can be different, it can be unclear. And this kid goes, I'm colorblind, I have colorblind sunglasses in the car, do you want to see what it looks like? Yeah. So he, he comes and he brings them in, and I look out the window, and I'm almost envious of you guys. The brilliance of the red and green is so different than what I see. But I see red and green. And I like them. I like those colors a lot. And I see all that stuff, but it's just different for me. But here's the truth is, everything you see is different for you. The question is, how are you going to let that see? It defines everything. Jesus talked about this concept a little bit where he Talked here in Matthew, he says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is, eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Let's, let's look at this in the Amplified Version. Your eyes are windows into your body. And if you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, uh, your body is a dank cellar. And if you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. That's actually the message version, not the amplified. As you look at that and think about it, have you ever known somebody whose eyes were dark? It's as if they looked at the same thing as you and they couldn't see what you see. It's as if everything that happens is negative and down and they don't see the hand of God in anything. Probably, maybe because they don't know him or maybe they don't want to recognize him or for some reason it's been damaged and there's darkness there. I think that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians. I'm asking God, the glorious father of the Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I think what Paul is saying is if, if you could fully see what God sees, you would see everything way differently. Have you ever known anybody who they, they just don't see themselves the way you see? Maybe, maybe you see them and you, you see, when you talk to them, you see talent and you see beauty and you see incredible just giftedness. But they, for some reason, they don't see it, and it's as if everything they do is not good enough, and they just can't see what you see. And you wish desperately that they could see what you see. 
And I think that's how it is for God. He has, a, he has a vision for you that is far different than probably what you see. That there's more beauty out there, that there's more brilliance out there. But our eyes can only receive the images that our hearts interpret. And because a lot of times our hearts are bitter or jealous or hurt in some way, it affects the lens of our eyes and we don't perceive what is going on the same way. Our perception can completely distort reality. You know these projectors we have with the three color bulbs? Anybody have those? Have you ever had one where the color bulb goes out? One of them? It just takes one. And then everything you look at, like, why is everybody green? What's going on? It's because it's distorted. It's, it's not real. How many of you have ever been to a movie that just, it, it just sucked you in? Like you, you, were, you, you were totally involved in the story and maybe you resonated with the characters and you felt for them and at the end you just sat there and thought, wow, that's amazing. Anybody ever had that experience? And then somebody next to you says, you know it wasn't real, right? You're like, no, 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 don't do that yet. Let me, let me just live in this fantasy for a minute. My dad used to do that with Westerns all the time. Ah, oh, that couldn't happen. That wouldn't be that way. That wouldn't work like, oh, come on. In life, we, I've mentioned this before. There's this concept in philosophy called the expectation gap. A lot of times it affects relationships and where, and it can be anything. It can be a business relationship. Maybe, maybe you're meeting somebody for coffee and maybe it's a friend of yours and you know them really well and typically they're on time and, and you guys have a wonderful relationship and so you're supposed to be there for coffee and you're looking at your watch and normally they're a little bit early but, but for some reason you're supposed to meet at 11 and, and it's 10.55 and you're thinking, oh, they're not here yet. Wow, that's weird. They're normally here. And then you keep looking at 10.56, 10.57 and then it gets to be 11 and you're like, oh, that's weird. They're not here. What do you start doing? Man, I hope they're okay. I hope nothing happened to them. I, I wonder if, you know, something, maybe, maybe their car broke down. Or maybe, I mean, you start thinking that good, there's a good reason they're not there, right? But what if it's somebody that you distrust? Or what if it's somebody who's let you down a lot? What you do is like, yeah, they're probably going to be late. And then when they don't show and don't show and don't show, what do you do? You start to think, I can't believe I wasted my time with this. I, I knew they didn't care. I knew there, there probably something better came up. You start to fill that gap w w with some explanation. And if you already start from a position of distrust, if your vision of them is tainted and clouded, then automatically what you slide into that gap are negative things. If your vision is healthy and good, then you slide in good things. Because you know better, you know who they are, and you don't worry about that. If it's negative, you finally end up like, they're so rude. I can't believe them. It kind of works that way with people. Our vision of people, how we see them. I, I came across this quote, it really struck me. It says, when you see people as only personalities, rather than souls with life missions to fulfill, you forever limit the growth and possibilities of what God has in store for another person. It's a funny thing, you know, we, you, churches can be like this, small towns, big families, where everybody knows everybody's business. You know what I'm talking about? 
And in a way, sadly, sometimes we can limit their growth potential because we know how they are, right? And what do you say? They'll never change. But that's a vision thing. Because God has a vision for every single person that involves growth and in becoming more and more into the image of his son. But, but it's human nature. I mean, we judge people based on past experience. And if we've seen them do this, this, and this, then we get that. But if you never allow a, a vision for growth and change in other people, then you're not seeing people the way God sees them. Because he doesn't do that. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he doesn't do that? Aren't you glad he extends grace to us that we don't deserve? Jerry Newton, I said hi to him this morning. I said, how you doing? He goes, better than I deserve. And I'm glad he said that. I reminded there's a there's a guy in my home church that would say that every Sunday to me. Every Sunday I would say, how are you doing? And he would say that. And I remember every Sunday looking forward to hearing him say that. And it just blew my mind because he was a great guy. And I thought, you deserve every good thing. But that's not how he saw it. His vision was gratitude from day one, every single morning. But do we extend that then to others? Sometimes we do it to ourselves. Look at this quote. Too often my vision stops at what I've become rather than what I was created to be. And I think for some of us, life has gotten difficult and maybe things have happened and maybe we just stopped trying or stopped trying to change or, or grow because I, I've gotten this far. I'm just tired. I just want to be done. Or maybe you just don't even see how much further you could be. Or maybe you've, maybe you've failed. I mean, who hasn't failed? We've all made mistakes and we've all come up short. And there's always times where you could always look at some area of your life where you could have done better and could have worked harder and you could have done this or that. And then because of that, you start to limit even what God would do in you. But our God isn't like that. He has a vision of you that is, is perfect. There's no mistake. You know, you can read it all different ways. But there, when he says that he wants you to be perfect, he means it. And he doesn't leave you to do it on your own. He builds that perfection and tries to work on us like that. The thing is, the things we believe to be true determine the way in which we interpret life. These little beliefs start to sink into our head and our mind and maybe through our culture or through your family of origin or maybe something you've read or even a movie. And, you know, I mean, every movie, every TV show, everything has a vision of the world they're trying to get across or teach. And there's values being thrown out there all the time. And just like that word that came from from uh, uh, Frank today, the fact is you've got to filter that through what's true and what you know to be true. Because we filter everything in our life through what we believe. Sometimes you have to take a hard look at your life and see, okay, I say I believe this in my mind and in my heart it's like this, but then I do this and it doesn't add up. It's, it, yeah. You can just look at it, how you spend your time or where you spend your attention or your money or your service or Sometimes we extend that over to God and we say to him, we start to think that maybe he is letting us down and we have an expectation gap with him because he didn't do what we wanted, when we wanted or how we wanted or involving who we wanted it or where we wanted it. And because of that, this distrust starts to sink in and we start to doubt his goodness and we start to doubt who he really is. I just want to challenge you to take an evaluation and think about whether or not 
you're evaluating and your vision of him is dependent on your circumstance and what you see or what you know to be true. People, I've heard people say this, everything happens for a reason. And if, if I have a relationship with them, I'll say, really, what, what do you think the reason is? They say that, and I don't know if they think about the implications, because usually what they mean is God had a plan and I don't get it. And it seems kind of mean, but he had a plan. Thing is, yeah, everything happens for a reason. A lot of times it's me, my fault, or somebody else, or a combination of those things, or a fallen world. I, I want to challenge you to do this, to align your vision with someone that you can actually trust. And I'll be honest, I can't trust me. If I'm the one setting the vision all the time, I'm not, I don't trust that in me, because I know me. And I would challenge you, don't trust anybody else. I would challenge you only to trust God himself. And then to align that vision with him because nobody, nobody, nobody would have a vision as perfect as him. Jesus had a vision. You realize that? He had a vision for you. Scripture talks about it as if he had a vision for you before you were even created. Psalm 139, it's something I go back to a lot. I read it a lot because it talks in there how before any of us were ever born, God had a plan for your life. That doesn't mean you're going to live it out perfectly, but God is smart enough to figure a plan B and C and D and E. For some of us, maybe we get double and triple letters in there because he's a God that can do that because he loves you like that. Jesus had a vision. I want to start with this. The thief comes to still kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He had a vision. A vision for us, a vision and a direction. And he didn't stop with that. He actually extended that because vision leads naturally to mission. And he had a mission as well. And his mission was this. Paul says it like this. He's in a letter to Timothy. He says, saying uh, deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. He wants you to have a great life and he came to give that to you. That's what he came to do. I love this too. He doesn't leave it there. He literally invites you into his vision and mission. I know some of you are thinking, well, that's Jesus. I'm not Jesus. No, nope, I'm not either. But look at what he does. He came and told his disciples this is right before he ascended into heaven. He'd already risen from the dead. He says, I've, given, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I don't know. Do you, do you believe that? Do, do you believe that he had a vision for you, for humanity, and then he invited you to be part of it? Now, I don't know. Some of, some of you are thinking, wait a minute. I was thinking like maybe what I'm doing Monday. You're going way out there. Yeah, I know. Some of you are thinking, wait, you're talking past 2019. Yes. Yes, I am. Because if you get this right, then tomorrow and 2019 all lines up. The rest of that will work out. The thing about it is you can believe this with your head. And some of you might need to convince your heart and ultimately your feet will follow. Some of you, your heart's there, but maybe your head's thinking, I don't see how this will work. And then ultimately your feet will follow. But unless the feet go, I don't know if we really believe it. 
Why? Why would God do it this way? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't he just do it all? I mean, seriously, really, right? He's God. He's the supernatural one, the powerful one. He's got all the answers, and he knows all the ins and outs and ifs, ands, and forward and backward and before and after, right? Why, would he, why wouldn't he take his vision and just do it? I was reading this. Uh, everybody heard of uh, Simon Sinek? He, he writes all this stuff on business and philosophy and growth. And was, he says, if you hire people just because they can do a job, they'll work for your money. But if you hire people who believe what you believe, they'll work for you with blood and sweat and tears. I don't know if you realize this. God's not into just hiring hourly workers. He wants you to be part of the business. He wants you to join in the business and be an owner. That's who he is. You've, you've probably heard the story. I, I, I read this years and years and years ago, and I just it's always stuck with me. But going way back, England, 1666, Sir Christopher Wren, I guess he, 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 he submitted a plan to reconstruct St. Paul's Cathedral. Has anybody ever been there, seen that? If you, if you ever go to London, you need to see that cathedral. It's, in, it's amazing. It's breathtaking. Here's a weird twist in history. Six days after that, the Great Fire of London destroyed central London. Lots of churches were destroyed, including St. Paul's Cathedral. So they contracted and hired uh, Sir Christopher Wren, a really renowned, famous architect, to reconstruct and supervise the building of 51 churches, including St. Paul's Cathedral. So here's the story I wanted to tell you. Not everybody knew Sir Christopher Wren. He's the guy behind it. He was the brain behind it, but not everybody knew him. So one day, supposedly, he walked up and he was talking to some of the laborers who were working on St. Paul's Cathedral. And he asked three different guys, what are you doing? The first one said this, I'm cutting the stone. And I'm sure he said it like, uh, I'm cutting the stone, duh. Can't you see what I'm doing? The second guy said, I'm earning three shillings and six pence a day. And went back to his work. The third guy straightened his shoulders, stood up and holding his mallet and chisel. And he said, I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren build this great cathedral. Three different guys, three different visions. The one who ultimately had the vision for the building was Wren, Sir Christopher Wren, right? But he didn't intend to just share it and be the only one to have it. The third worker actually shared the vision. And, and think about this. Think about go forward in time because it took years to build this thing. But go forward in time and think about it. If you were to talk to those three guys years later, maybe standing out front and say to the first guy, hey, look at that. What would he have said? Yeah, I cut that stone right there. Right? That would be true. Talk to the other guy and what would he say? I didn't get paid enough for the time I put into that, right? But what if you talk to the third guy? What would he say? I had something to do with that. I built that. All of a sudden, he built that because he's part of the whole thing. The vision's not just one man. It's, it's, it's his. He owns the vision. He's part of it all. And he didn't know the architect, but he believed that there was a plan, and what his part in the plan was mattered for the whole thing. And I think about that in terms of, as a Christian, what should our vision, mission even look like? And I'm, I'm not talking just about Crown Point Church. I'm talking about you. 
you as an individual, as a Christian, part of the greater body of Christ, part of this, this huge movement that we serve a God who said, my plan is to build a church on this earth to redeem the lost humanity. As a Christian, it lands on so many levels because there's this personal aspect that we personally are a Christian. Then there's this corporate thing we do together as Christians and we come together and we learn together and celebrate together and work together. I don't know how many of you think about this or not, but you may not have thought about your Christian life and what's your vision for you as a Christian. This may sound weird, but do you realize you can be a Christian just like those three guys on the job? You realize that? You might be asked, are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. Did you ever hear that growing up? That's right. I'm, right? I don't do this. I don't do that. I, like, not really. That's it. Not a very compelling vision, is it? Well, I do this. I, I, you know, I, yeah, not very compelling. The third guy, or the second guy, well, I mean, he was just making a paycheck, right? Are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I want to go to heaven. I mean, I'm going to do these rules so I don't, it's like fire insurance only. Then there's the third guy, though. My, my deepest desire for you, and I know it's Jesus' vision for you, is that you would be that third person. It's way beyond those things. I don't follow the rules because I want to get to heaven. I follow the rules because there's a God in heaven who loves me and created me, and this is the best way to live. And this is the relationship he wants with me. And because of that relationship with him, everything else makes sense and works. It doesn't mean it's easy. I mean, he promised us we would have problems in the world. The difference is I'm walking through life with him to create something far bigger than just me. And far bigger than just getting to the end of life. Life is meant to be loved and endured and loved and experienced and shared. And your life in Christ is bigger than that. You're part of the mission. Do you, do you think of it like this, that you should be pursuing a relationship with God? Because he's pursuing a relationship with you. Sounds weird to think, but the God of the universe who needs nothing, is complete in himself, actually created you for relationship and pursues you through your whole life. Some of us who are older, maybe you can look back and, and realize some of those points where he has pursued you and maybe you've gone astray and yet, he protected you in things that you, you look back and think, oh my goodness, I could have gone so wrong. And yet, here he's pursued me to this point. And he literally wants you to make you into the best version of you that there could ever be. And he does that in such a creative way. We're all so different. And, and each one of us have different gifts and different personalities and you know, certainly different looks. I mean, there's something so unique about you. But, but you're created by a master craftsman who made you that way because of reason. And he wanted you to be that way. And he wants to turn you into a magnificent person who's in the image of his son. But it's your responsibility. You get to pursue that back. And if all you're doing is going through the motions, you're only living on the surface. And I want to challenge you to go way deeper than that because there's way, way, way more. <laughs> it's our responsibility ultimately to fulfill that mission. You personally. It's not just about the, the church, this group of people. It's about you you, you, you know people that none of us will ever meet who need to know about Jesus. Your life lived in front of them preaches a sermon to them every day. I mean, if they were sitting here today, they wouldn't understand half the things I'm talking about because they don't understand any of this. They're, it's all foreign to them. But you preach a message to them every day with your life. Everything you do is a sermon. 
Part of it is our local body of Christ, this church, Crown Point Church. Don't ever think I mean the building when I say this church. I'm talking about you, this group of people. This is a unique, wonderful group of people, and it's, it's about what you make, do to make this happen. I think about, about your contribution and how your prayer life goes, and if you're, as you're praying for people in needs in this church, and, and that this church is effective and has an influence on our community, and the time you're, you're here, and you, you being part of what's going on here, and volunteer. I mean, there's so many things. Let's take a look at this. I want, let's just put this all together so this all makes sense. If God is good, and he is, and he has a vision for you in this world, and he does, then I want to be part of it. Do you want to be part of it? Do you want to be more than just an observer or someone who gets a Christian paycheck? You know what? You'll, you'll go to heaven. You, you believe in him and, and all that, you'll make it. But, but don't settle for that. You need to be part of what he's doing and, and make sure that your life has meaning and fulfillment far beyond all of that. Okay, we'll cross, cross this quote by Jim Rome, man. He was a quote machine. But this guy says, I used to say, I sure hope things will change. Then I learned that the only way things are going to change is for me is when I change. Anybody enjoy change? Okay, a few of you. So, you know, most people like change if they initiate it and it's their idea. But then for the rest of us, most of the time when change comes, you're like, wait a minute. Look at, look at this. I didn't think of this. I wish I was this clever, but foresight, insight, oversight that come from his sight. Part of vision is foresight looking ahead. Part of it's insight looking in. Part of it's oversight, being, having leadership and a leadership structure and guidance. But it all comes down from his sight. What is Christ's vision for the church? And what is his vision for you? What does he want to make of you, in you, and through you? What, what, what does he want to do in you that needs to be done? What, what, what does he want to do through you that only you can do? No one else. No one else. Just you. You might think, well, there's other people better at it or somebody would be. You know what? Only you. He's got a plan for you and only you. Something that's bigger than anything anybody else could do. The only way you find those things, though, are through his sight. And that means you have to spend time with him and know him and hear from him. You, that's why prayer is such an essential thing as a Christian and as a church, because none of this becomes clear without prayer. If you don't spend time speaking to him and, and hearing from him, then you won't know his sight and you won't understand his vision for you or for the body of Christ. We are, as a church, are going to be praying next week. I mean, I hope you're praying all the time, but we're emphasizing prayer next week, starting Sunday, and then through the week, we'll open the church for prayer. Right now, the plan is like six to seven. Somebody talked to me today, and they said, well, I don't drive at night. Is there any way we could come pray during the day? Yes, of course you can. Sure. I mean, there's, Tuesday would not be a good day. We have 350 homeschool kids usually in the building uh, during that day, so that might be a little awkward, but every other day, sure. I think God has incredible plans. That word from God that Vicki shared, I think God has plans for us that we could never imagine. Scripture says it like this, bigger, greater than you could possibly imagine. How do you 
do that? How do you accomplish that? You accomplish it by listening to him, to hearing him. We try to facilitate that as a church. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but just the fact that as a church, you know, pastors, our job is to equip you for works of service. It's to prepare you for the job. You know, there's that saying that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. You ever heard that? Or or today. Um, We have Wednesday night classes starting again in January. I really appreciate uh, Joe is going to be teaching financial peace again. Fantastic class. Some of you are going through that now and super excited about it. I see your posts on Facebook and I just I, I rejoice with you and your financial freedom. Um, if you would like more information about financial peace, that class and how that works, Joe's going to be at the information desk after service. If you'd like, like to talk to him, he'll just give you the layout and how it works. Maybe some of you, as I've been talking about sharing your faith, every time I say that you get a little a little tinge of guilt and fear. I understand that. It's tough, isn't it? How many feel like you're unprepared to share your faith? I'm not trying to put you on blast, but okay, I saw some of you that answered. That's cool. Here's the thing about that. The time to get prepared is now. Uh, now. There's great answers to every question, but we, but we need to explore them and learn them. We have connect groups. You know, Sunday morning classes are fantastic. Our Tuesdays, Sunday nights, we, we give volunteering opportunities for you to invest in this vision and mission, whether that's the ministries that here at the church, and, and we always need volunteers, whether it's in kids or youth or, or adult ministries, our outreaches, um, you know, the youth go on missions trips, we're planning a summer trip to go build a kitchen onto one of the dormitories in Jamaica this summer, if you would like to be involved in that, we have literally jobs for every skill level. Monthly missions opportunities with our ministry of the month we ask you to donate to. We have our community impact opportunity, a monthly volunteering opportunity. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes. It comes down to this. Do you believe that there's a God in heaven who has a vision for your life that's good? Do you believe that? That his vision for you is good. If you believe that, do you want to be part of it? Do you you want him to do in you what he wants to do? And it would be the best possible thing. I'm going to ask everybody to respond to this. If you do want that for you, would you just raise your hand? You, You can put those down. I appreciate that. It doesn't stop with us, though. He has a vision for us. For the body of Christ, for, for this body of Christ, Crown Point, but he, for every body of Christ. But do you want to be part of that? I'm asking, do you want to? If you do, raise your hand. All right. I'm going to pray with you, and, and this is how we're going to close our service today. I'm just going to ask God to give us a more clear vision. That foresight, insight, oversight, and it needs to come from his sight. I'm just going to ask God to give us that sight. Maybe some of you are you're here today and you're sitting here and you're thinking, I'm all about him and the vision for me, but I have no idea what that is. Then I'm going to ask God to be, make that clear, to speak to you, whether that's through times of prayer or times that you're in his word. Maybe somebody coming and speaking to you and something they say resonates or something you see. I mean, there's God speaks in so many ways. For you, maybe you're sitting and you think, I, I feel like I'm part of this church, but I feel like I'm 
I feel like God wants me to be more part of the vision he has, then let's pray that God would speak to you about that too. So let me just close this part of our service. Then Pastor Jeremy will come up after this, but let me close this part of the service and ask God to speak to us real clearly about those visions. Father, we come before you this morning and I'm grateful that you knew who we were before we were born. You had a vision about who we were long before we even existed. It just gives me chills to think about. God, I'm, I'm humbled and I'm grateful that you love us like that and you want a relationship with us that is growing and vibrant and that you have an idea for who we need to be. And I pray, God, that you would make that clear for each and every individual in this room. Father, I thank you for this church, this local body of Christ, and I ask that you would help us to understand more clearly how we fit into this body of Christ. I pray that you would make that clear to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Pastor Jeremy.